0: From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter.
1: Hello and welcome to this special hour-long edition of Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter. Washington's primary is this Tuesday and a race to watch is Southwest Washington's third congressional district. Six term Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler is facing a tough challenge from both the left and the right. And with Washington's top two primary pitting all the candidates from both parties together and only the top two moving on to the November election. This could be her toughest contest yet. In this episode of Straight Talk, we meet some of the leading candidates. Joining us, Republican challengers, Heidi St. John and Joe Kent. Also Democrat, Marie Glusenkamp Perez, and incumbent Republican representative, Jamie Herrera-Butler. The interviews have been edited for brevity to fit the timing of the show. We begin with Congresswoman Herrera-Butler. I spoke with her Thursday morning from DC. Congresswoman Herrera-Butler, hello to you there in DC. Welcome back to Straight Talk.
0: Good to be here.
1: Well, let's talk about the race. There are nine candidates in this race, and observers say you could be more vulnerable in this race than in any you faced since being elected. You broke party ranks and voted to impeach President Trump, one of only 10 Republicans who did, and it made many conservatives angry and emboldened some of your opponents. You were outspoken about the former president's actions. Do you stand by your vote?
0: Oh, I do. I wouldn't change it. Um, I think I would, I would, had I understood what people didn't know and see here at the time, I I would have um, probably worked more or or attempted to uh, on the communications front. I didn't understand that people hadn't seen, um, you know, police officers being beaten with Blue Lives Matter flagpoles. I didn't know that people hadn't seen officers being dragged into a crowd and tased. I I assumed that that was being seen all over. Um, But yeah, I did what I felt like I needed to do uh, per my oath of office. Um, it definitely, uh, as you noted, has caused me to get some primary challengers. But I also feel like um, this is exactly what someone I as, as a conservative who grew up in this district would expect from someone and who, who is my elected official, who believes in their oath and who maybe doesn't agree with me on everything, but I know is gonna go to bat irrespective to do what they think is right. And that's what I've done in this district. And I'm hopeful uh, that voters will see the efforts and the value add that we bring. I do think still, even though people may disagree with me on that vote, um, I'm the best fit for this district, whether it's on the economy, whether it's on healthcare, whether it's on local issues like preserving our salmon runs or protecting us against an I-5 bridge that may or may not meet our needs. Those are all the things that I've fought for and will continue to do so if they give me their vote.
1: Viewers are going to hear from challenger Joe Kent next. I spoke with him earlier and he questioned what evidence your vote to impeach Donald Trump was based on. Do you have a response for that?
0: Well, so if, if you understand the Constitution, you understand that there's two parts to someone being removed from office. There's impeachment and there's the conviction in the Senate. The impeachment isn't a conviction. It is akin to a grand jury. It's saying we think there's enough evidence to investigate we're gonna send it onto the Senate for a conviction or not a conviction. Um, That's exactly what I did. I based it on the things I saw and experienced, the people I talked to. I had texted Mark Meadows that day and said, why did I just see Joe Biden on (laughs) before I saw the president on? Um, And the first person conversations I had with the security officers, with the officers on the ground, with members of Congress who were essentially battling with protesters through through glass, I saw all the evidence that I need. I lived through it. And so I had enough. I felt like there was enough there to forward to the Senate for consideration of a trial. Um, I, I don't think a lot of people understand that. They think impeachment means, oh, you're done. Impeachment is like a grand jury. It simply means there's more here to investigate.
1: President Trump has endorsed Joe Kent and pundits say your race and that of Congressman Dan Newhouse of Sunnyside, Washington, who also voted to impeach, could signal the direction of the Republican Party and whether those who oppose Trump's influence have a place in it. Do you think you and other more moderates still have a place in the Republican Party?
0: I think what you say in the first part is true. This race will be looked at as whether or not President Trump or former President Trump Um, Has control over the party which I I, you know I look at this district. It's a swing district. It's independent minded I would argue it's right of center, you know, this is where my values were shaped But you know a lot of people are looking at how this comes out and what it will mean Um, But do I think so I I would challenge the title moderate, Um, you know, I've never voted for a tax increase I have strongly supported our second amendment rights Um, I am pro-life I do believe that um, you know, families deserve the ability to, to raise themselves free of you know, too much government interference. But I've always been those things. The reason I think you, you and others give me that title is because I also get stuff done. <laughs> You know, I also really want to make sure that my sea lion legislation gets signed into law, that my maternal mortality legislation to bring down the incidence of moms dying in America as a result of, of childbirth. I want to see that happen. That's why I've been um, given awards as a champion of children's health, because I've gone to bat for low-income children in our area and across this nation. I actually believe you can still be a conservative. conservative. You have to be willing to stand up for the truth. But you also need to want to get things done. You know, just gumming up the process here to make a name for yourself on social media is not what I'm in this for. It's too long of a commute. And I love Southwest Washington. It is an honor for me to come out here and to spend time fighting on behalf of my countrymen. I hope I get the chance to keep doing it.
1: Viewers have seen a whole lot of TV ads recently about this issue. You've taken your opponent Joe Kent to task for suggesting the benefit eligibility age for Social Security should be raised. He says it would only apply to younger Americans and that you don't have a plan to keep Social Security solvent. So retirees don't see their benefits cut later as Social Security runs out of money around 2034. What, what is your plan?
0: Well, my plan is to oppose trillions in wasteful spending. That's part of the reason I had to oppose some of the bills that came for it just in this last year. Not that they were for bad things necessarily. Right. But when you're staring at an economy and a recession, an economy that's on the verge of recession and 40 year high inflation, you can't spend your way out of that. And so it takes someone who's willing to push back, whether it's on Democrats or Republicans. I've demonstrated I'm willing to stand up to both parties. And I think that's a big part of securing Social Security and not pulling money out of it now to spend on other wish lists. And my opponent says he only that's not you know, he's since I called him out on it, he's moved stuff off of his website that says he's not going to try and endanger Social Security. But he has said multiple times he is as recently as about a week ago, he wants to privatize Social Security. Well, the stock market has taken about a 20% hit just in the last several weeks. Imagine if he was in charge and he had put your social security in, he had privatized it. If you were on a fixed income, you certainly wouldn't be able to pay for gas or groceries or food. I mean, for the most... even folks who are not on a fixed income are struggling with those things which is why um, i've been ranked as one of the most effective lawmakers in washington state because i've gone to bat to to reduce the cost of gas by supporting legislation that makes us produce more here locally and i've also worked on making sure our supply chains get back in order so that when you do get to the grocery store the infant formula or the items that you need are on the shelves so i think this race really is about do you want someone to go to bat for you, who you may agree with sometimes on some things and you may not, but who is going to honestly fight for you, who is one of you and who listens to you. And I think, um, you know, I'm not trying to make, come at this. I think I look at each of those opponents and whether they're basing it on you know false claims about an election um, or they just want to be famous. I, I, I just think my area is too good for that. <laughs> I want so much more for the folks in this region because ultimately this is where I live and this is where I'm raising my kids. And I want my grandkids to be able to find work in here, and stay here as well.
1: This, this ties into the previous question about social security. Um, ac- according to an Elway crosscut poll, inflation is the number one issue for Washington residents. Inflation has grown 9.1% between June of last year and June of this year, a 40 year high. What other actions would you support to rein in inflation? Do you have a post pandemic recovery effort plan? Well,
0: some of it, it's not going to be as fun as during the pandemic, right? And I, when I say fun, I say that very tongue-in-cheek. The pandemic was, is something that we're all anxious to leave in our, in our rearview mirror. But we're not going to be able to do some of the spending that took place during the pandemic. That was emergency spending, and I almost liken it to having a patient on the table. <laughs> you got to stop the bleeding before you can then deal with other challenges in that patient's system. Well, that was what happened during the pandemic, we did spend a lot of money and part of that was to address immediate supply chain shortages for things like face masks and vaccine production that was necessary and it was actually very bipartisan. Fast forward to the year this last year, and I, I would argue to folks you know Washington state and federally one party is in control of all of the levers. And, and how is it working? That's why I've opposed the, spend, the spending bills that have come forward in the last year. Not because, again, there are horrible things in all of them, but because when you spend to the tune of trillions, you hyperinflate the economy and you see the 40-year high. I think they're expecting right now the average family to pay $5,200 a month in inflationary costs. And that's one of the reasons I'd say, even if you agree with my Democrat opponent on things, You shouldn't put her in Congress right now. You should bring balance to Congress by sending a Republican. And then I would say to the folks on the right, if you want a Republican who's gonna get things done for you, you want someone who has a record of never raising taxes, who has records uh, of accomplishing things even across the aisle, but that benefit our region economically.
1: Congresswoman, you've been consistent in your right to life stance over the years following the Supreme Court decision, overturning Roe v. Wade, giving states the authority now to restrict or ban abortion. Do you want to see that go even further? If it came up in Congress, would you vote for a federal ban on abortion?
0: The reality is, is Joe Biden is not going to sign a federal ban. So I know that there are efforts right now, I think, to scare and to fear monger um, voters with this issue. Take, take one step back and breathe. Um, right now in Washington State, all of my constituents have the same rights they had before that they do now. Um, and I don't see with a democratic governor and uh, with the majorities in Washington as they are, I don't see that changing. But well, you what are if it right. does
1: what if it I does just, change though, um, in the next election and you're in Congress, would you vote for a ban with a Republican president?
0: As much as I'd like to see Joe Biden not be the President of the United States, he's still going to be the President of the United States after this election.
1: I'm talking about in two years. If you're still there and you have a Republican president, would you vote for a federal ban?
0: In two years, (laughs) if I make it through this primary, let's have that conversation.
1: Okay, well, we'll we'll hold you to that and we'll talk about it later. Uh, Congresswoman. I know there's some votes that are going to be called soon, so your time is limited. I wanna give you you 30 seconds or so for a final message. You would like to leave with Southwest Washington residents as they prepare to vote in Tuesday's primary.
0: Thank you. It is an honor to serve Southwest Washington in Congress. Uh, having grown up here and now raising my kids here, I want to make sure that we can continue to be a place where you can raise your family, you can find good employment, you can run your own business, or you can chase your dream. Right now, um, being a single party control in Washington, D.C., I think we need a check and a balance. We need someone who's demonstrated an ability to stand up to either party in the best interests of her constituents, whether it's sea lions or being anti-tax or promoting jobs and economic growth or protecting social security and Medicare, I am that candidate and I ask for your vote.
1: Thank you, Congresswoman Jamie Herrera-Butler for joining us here on Straight Talk.
0: Thank you so much.
1: And it's time to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from another Republican, America First candidate, Joe Kent, who's been endorsed by former President Donald Trump. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter. We're hearing from the candidates in the hotly contested third congressional district in Southwest Washington. Joe Kent is a conservative frontrunner, challenging Congresswoman Jamie Herrera-Butler. He's a former member of Army Special Forces, a Green Beret, a former CIA employee, and America First candidate. He lives in Yakult, Washington, and has been endorsed by former President Donald Trump. Our conversation from earlier this week has been edited for brevity for the show. Welcome to Straight Talk, Joe Ken. Nice to have you here.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Tell us what the pivotal moment was that convinced you to run against another Republican, Congresswoman Herrera Butler, the incumbent, in the primary.
2: Yeah, so really it was the aftermath of the 2020 election. I had major issues with the way the election was handled. I felt there was a good deal of evidence of fraud. So when Jamie Herrick Butler voted to certify the election of 2020, I had major reservations. And then when she uh, voted for the impeachment of President Trump after the riot on January 6th, I realized that she was not capable of defending our district and really our nation um, against the onslaught of what the, the radical left is doing to our country right now. And so I didn't see any other Republicans stepping forward to go and challenge her. I had never intended on uh, running for office before, but I fought for this country for 20 years, lost many friends, lost my late wife in this fight, worked heavily on the Trump 2020 campaign, so I believed in the America First agenda. And so I, I looked around and I said, well, if I don't go do this, then I feel like no one else will. Um, so that's what really got me uh, into the fight.
1: Well, for her part, Herrera Butler said the former president acted against his oath of office by inciting the riot on January 6th to try to halt the peaceful transfer of power. And then for hours, he failed to stop the violence. And she stands by that vote.
2: I hope you get a chance to talk to her, because the people in the district have hardly heard from her since the, the January 6th vote. So I would love to see the evidence that she has that indicates that everything that we've seen so far, especially P- President Trump's public statements that day, there was no incitement of violence. President Trump actually requested there to be additional forces deployed to the Capitol to deal with the uh, potential for violence on January 6th, because there was intelligence. The federal government did have a, an understanding that there could be violence on January 6th, yet no, uh preventative measures were taken leading up to the January 6th riot taking place, the the perimeter of the, of the Capitol wasn't hardened whatsoever, even after the pipe bombs were discovered. So right now we have a lack of information. Well,
1: there have been a lot of committee hearings, as you know, this summer 18, at least live witnesses, scores of videotaped depositions, documentary evidence. The January 6th committee hearings have indicated Donald Trump did set the nation on a path to violence that day. He watched on TV and did nothing for 187 minutes, more than three hours to call off the mob attacking the capitol did he do enough to to stop the violence that was happening at the capitol
2: Absolutely. President Trump requested additional forces be deployed to the Capitol uh, that day. And as the, as the events were taking place, it's very unreasonable. I spent a lot of time in uh, high-risk, combat-like situations. It's ridiculous to think that a commanding officer, a general who's not directly on the scene, can start directing traffic somehow. That's up to the tactical commanders on the ground. This is in our law enforcement Joe, services Joe, don't you turned think the, into a praetorian think? Don't garden. you
1: think the president should have stopped the violence sooner, I mean, waiting 187 minutes to address the nation. And then he had a wink and a nod at those that were storming the Capitol by saying, I love you, I think you're special. Indicating that he supported what they were doing. Is that really what the commander in chief should have done, is that putting America first when the Capitol is being stormed? Violence is happening, Uh, lawmakers, staffers, lives are being put at risk, people were hurt, some were killed.
2: Well, the premise there is that president trump could have somehow gotten on twitter or done something that would have stopped a riot in place so i reject that entire premise president trump was allowing commanders on the ground to make decisions this is far uh, below his level and then mm-hmm. when everything had cleared, President Trump did put out a statement and he he said, hey, I hope everybody goes home. So none of this is on President Trump. The fact that the perimeter wasn't hardened is a major issue. Another major issue is what happened with the election of 2020. Why were all those people in Washington, D.C.? Why can't we have very basic questions well, answered, not let's just about, about the election that. of 2020? Do you, think,
1: do you sure. think that President Biden won the election?
2: No, I don't. I believe it was rigged and stolen. I, I'm happy with, I'm, I'm, I am I'm. feel uh, fine saying that, and I wanna be able to lay out all the evidence of fraud in a, a venue. And we're going to use the floor of Congress to do that in January of 2023. Well, there's already we're been gonna a, lay out every single.
1: Well, Joe, there's already been a multitude no, of hasn't. evidence that the election was legitimate from the courts to even former President Trump's own administration, including Attorney General William Barr, his Homeland Security Department, all have said there is no evidence there was election fraud that would have changed the results, that it was the most most secure election in U.S. history. What evidence do you have that it wasn't it? And why would you want to go through all that again when it's already been through the courts and decided?
2: We have plenty of evidence about level fraud. The, the problem is none of it has ever been given a venue for adjudication. All of the courts that have uh, f- refused to hear the cases, they haven't let us actually lay out the evidence. The the administration officials who are saying that this is a fair and free election, they have refused to go back and actually do their job because they're absolute cowards. What we need to do is we need to just lay out every bit of evidence of fraud or discrepancies, I'm talking about national change of voter address databases in Georgia, all the consent decrees that were violated and Pennsylvania, the courts are on our side on that one. Wisconsin's moving to decertification because of the fraud rate with permanently confined folks, the full forensic audit down in uh, Maricopa County, Arizona, with the ballots that were out of chain of custody. And not to mention the fact that no one down there in Arizona had the um, administrative password okay, Joe, let to me the tabulation here. machines. Um,
1: let's move on. We don't have a lot of time, so I want to move on to another question. Yeah. Your conservative opponent, who we will hear from later, Heidi St. John, said you're not a true conservative. You were a registered Democrat in Multnomah County in 2020, and you voted, as you have said, for Bernie Sanders in the primary. Is, is that true? And if so, why?
2: Yeah, I voted for Bernie Sanders in the 2020 primary. After my late wife was killed, I moved back to Portland briefly. I grew up in Portland, left in 98, but I moved back briefly to get my kids closer to my family. But I was already working on the Trump 2020 campaign and there was no Republican primary in 2020. So my goal was to get the Democrat that could not win in a general election, into the general election, and that was Bernie Sanders. I don't think the Democrats could have stolen enough ballots to get Bernie Sanders across the finish line. So I registered as a Democrat and voted for Bernie in the general, in tw- in the, I'm sorry, in the primary in 2020. And then in the general, I voted for President Trump. Well,
1: St. John calls that excuse disingenuous, ca- trying to cause a little bit of chaos in, in the election. She asks, if you are a true conservative, shouldn't you be true to your roots and have a record of conservatism? She calls you an opportunist.
2: Yeah. Uh, As far as that, as long as I've been in the public light, which I understand hasn't been very long. I was in the military prior to that. Um, But I've been speaking out on behalf of President Trump's America First foreign policy long before I ever ran for office. So all of 2020, I was doing everything I could to get President Trump reelected. And my so-called conservative opponents were doing absolutely nothing to get President Trump reelected. In 2020, including so called influencers like Heidi St. John, and then obviously Jamie Hurrah Butler was doing nothing to try and get President Trump re elected. She was actively working against him. You know, a lot of people
1: have seen the TV ads, um, some of, from you, some from Jamie Hurrah Butler, about Social Security. You and Congresswoman Jamie Hurrah Butler disagree on what to do about Social Security and keeping it solvent. She's accused you of wanting to cut benefits. What is your proposal?
2: So with Jamie Hurrah Butler's current plan, Social Security will more more than likely go insolvent within the next seven to eight years, and that will be a... 25% pay cut for everyone on Social Security right now. So to preserve Social Security, what I want to do is I want to start seizing assets from the Chinese Communist Party here in America. China owes us reparations for COVID. We can use those funds to make Social Security solvent once again. We also have to cut off access to Social Security for illegal immigrants. Jamie Herrera-Butler refuses to sign onto legislation that would prevent illegal immigrants from accessing our Social Security system. Jamie has also voted for amnesty for illegal immigrants every time it's been on the docket to include most recently uh, about a week ago with the National Defense Authorization Act. So Jamie's plan will have us uh, give Social Security a 25% cut. I don't want to touch anyone's benefits that are on Social Security right now or approaching retirement age. I also think for people that are my age or younger, I'm 42, we have to realize and recognize that the, the, the social contract that our parents have, Social Security, it's not going to exist for us. So we have to start coming up with solutions, a privatized, uh, high interest, tax-free savings plan that's managed on, on the private sector on Wall Street, like a 401k plan is a, is a much better option for a uh, blended option for Social Security.
1: What age would you raise, raise the retirement age to? And at what point would that kick in for what age group now?
2: I think this is something we have to have a, a national discussion about. But this is uh, this pertains to people that are my age and younger. So Gen X, the Millennials, and, and Gen Z, we have to realize that there's an inverted curve, right? Or inverted pyramid, right now, where we have all the baby boomers retiring, and this system's simply not going to exist for us. The system's also based on people having a, a much shorter life expectancy than we have right now. So I, I think we have to have a national conversation about it. I, I think we look at something like closer to the 70s as opposed to what it is right now. But I don't have a hard number for that. But I think that is something that we, we definitely have to discuss. And I think having a blended plan where we're not 100 percent reliant on government Social Security, where people have an option of investing in the private sector, I think that's going to give us a, a lot more flexibility for the younger generations. But just to be perfectly clear, if you're on Social Security right now or you're approaching Social Security age, I do not want to touch your plan. You, you are owed that money you bought into the system. It's the younger generations. We're going to have to figure something else out.
1: This is top of mind for a lot of people right now. Do you support the Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe v. Wade, a woman's right to have an abortion?
2: Yes, I I 100% uh, support Roe versus Wade being overturned. Uh, I would would move to have a national ban on abortions. I believe life begins. At conception, I I think we have to have a pro-life culture in our country uh, that takes care of women who are pregnant, who might not necessarily want the baby, that takes care of the women throughout the pregnancy, and then takes care of the child, uh, revamping how adoptions are handled. I think we have a great opportunity right now to really lead the way uh, globally and become a, a truly pro-life country that takes care of life from conception uh, you know until a child becomes a young adult,
1: the state of Washington has laws that protect uh, a right to an abortion. Would you want to see those overturned in Washington state?
2: Yes, I would. Yeah, uh, life begins at conception, and I, I think that the federal government um, should outlaw it in, in all the states. I don't think I, I don't think states should be able to sanction killing the unborn. For right now, the way it is, with it being a, a states' rights issue, that's a good temporary victory. So what I would do from the congressional perspective is I would ensure that not one penny of federal money goes to funding uh, abortions whatsoever. This is why I'm so critical of Jamie Hurrah Butler. Jamie Hurrah Butler, while claiming that she's life has given $1.5 billion to Planned Parenthood, the number one killer of the unborn and then also the folks that are pushing the comprehensive groomer sex education on our children in our schools.
1: Joe Kent, we're running out of time, but I wanted to give you about 30 seconds for a final thought that you'd like to leave with voters before the primary.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We, we have a choice to make. Uh, I never thought that I would get into politics. I spent my life fighting for this country over, over 20 years in special operations. Um, and right now, our country's being taken over, and we cannot be defended by Republicans like Jamie Herrera-Butler. I am the only Republican who has the endorsement of President Trump. I'm the only Republican who has a pathway to victory. That's why the establishment and so many other forces are coming after me right now. So I'd encourage people to do their own homework. Come to one of my events. I'm doing rallies and town halls. Every night of the week between now and the election, go to joekentforcongress.com to find those. Also, my number is in the voters pamphlet. If you call, I will answer. Thank you very much and God bless.
1: Up next, another conservative front runner in Washington's 3rd District, Heidi St. John. Why she says she is the only true conservative in the race. That's just ahead. Welcome back to Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter. We continue our conversation with leading candidates in the third congressional district in Southwest Washington. In this segment, we meet Republican candidate, Heidi St. John, an author and podcaster from Battleground, who has seven children. She describes herself as a conservative Christian. Here's our interview from earlier this week. Heidi St. John, welcome to Straight Talk. Thank you for having me, Laurel. It's really great to be here. Well, let me ask you, as a Republican, why did you decide to challenge the incumbent Republican Congresswoman, Jamie Herrera-Butler?
3: I decided to challenge her because we need a true conservative voice in Congress, and for several years now, I've watched as Mrs. Herrera-Butler has voted for things that I know the constituents of Washington, Southwest Washington, really want. Uh, for example, the the, water bo- the the border wall around our southern uh, our southern border def- desperately needs protection. It's occurred to me as I've watched her voting that she votes more like a Democrat, particularly fiscally, and I think it's time for new eyes on the situation, a fresh voice for South southwest washington to bring
1: real conservative values to the forefront again to represent the people here and why of all the nine candidates on the ballot and again the top two move on to the general election why of all nine do you think you're best suited to represent the third district in southwest washington
3: Well, I think if people are looking for a true conservative voice in Congress, I am that voice. I'm the only true conservative. I'm running against a a Democrat who has communist viewpoints. I'm running against another uh, person who claims to be a Republican but has absolutely no record of voting for conservative values at all, and in fact, leans towards socialism. And I'm running against Jamie Herrera-Butler, who votes more often with the Democrats than almost any other Republican in Congress. And so I'm running to be a true conservative voice for Southwest
1: Washington. And I also asked another conservative frontrunner in the race, I think you referred to him, Joe Kent, this question Do you think Joe Biden won the 2020 election?
3: I think that Joe Biden won the 2020 election. That seems to me that he's the president of the United States of America. Uh, The question that we're really all alluding to is whether or not we have fraud in our voting system. And listen, I've been a citizen of uh, Washington State for a long time. I remember the election of Dino Rossi here. I remember, and I'm sure you do too, Laurel, the hanging chads from Florida. We do have fraud in our election system, but I'm much more concerned at low voter turnout and in going back to voter integrity and voter ID.
1: And so those are gonna be the issues that I would focus on. You, you mentioned this, you kind of inferred this in, in one of your answers earlier, but you said you would drop out of the race if one of the candidates was endorsed by Donald Trump. And he did endorse your opponent, Joe Kent. So why didn't you keep your promise and drop out and instead decide to stay in the race?
3: Yeah, that's a great question because it lets me highlight the fact that I thought, like many people, probably including President Trump, that that, uh, Joe Kent was an actual conservative when in fact he voted for Bernie Sanders in the Oregon primaries in 2020. 2020 wasn't very long ago. So this is a guy that registered in Oregon in 2012 as a Democrat, and now he wants to, and so 10 years a Democrat in Portland, Oregon, and now he wants to represent my family and the district that I live in and where my businesses are as a conservative in Congress. I don't believe he's a conservative. And uh, at the time, I didn't know these facts about Mr. Kent. I assumed he was a lifelong conservative like I am. When I was a child, my granddad took me campaigning for Ronald Reagan. I love this country and I love the principles of limited freedom and limited, or, 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 or more freedom and limited government. And so I'm staying in the race again to give Southwest Washington a true
1: conservative voice. I don't believe Mr. Kent to be a conservative. We heard him say earlier in this show that he voted for Donald Trump in the general election. He only voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary to try to put up the weaker candidate against Trump. And he says he was actively working to get Trump reelected in 2020 when he says you were not.
3: Oh no, he—he he, no, he's completely wrong. I was actually fired from my literary, literary agency uh, for my support of President Trump. I have been an outspoken supporter of President Trump. Probably got more people to the polls on behalf of President Trump than Joe Kent could ever dream of doing. And I'm not buying his line about voting for Bernie Sanders so that he could help President Trump. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And besides, when he put that vote in for Bernie Sanders claiming he was trying to help President Trump, Bernie had already dropped out of the race and endorsed Joe Biden. So the story doesn't hold water. I think his campaign was shocked to find out that he had in fact voted for a socialist, came up with a story and the story's not working for me.
1: Well, let's turn to some kitchen table issues and, and a big one is inflation. Polls show it's become a top concern for Washington voters. What plan would you support for a post pandemic economic recovery?
3: Well, I think the first thing we've got to do is stop with these crippling regulations. Under the Biden administration, we are at somewhere in the neighborhood of $2 billion in regulations and government handouts. The uh, Thomas Sowell said that inflation is a quiet but effective way for the government to transfer resources from the people to itself without raising taxes. And that's what you're seeing happening, except for we're getting hit with a double whammy because they're raising taxes. Listen, we should be cutting taxes. As a business owner, I would like to see the regulations lifted and taxes rolled uh, back so that we can unleash American ingenuity again. And, and I believe if we can do that, we will see the economy coming back, but we are
1: in a recession and I think it's going to be a rocky ride for about the next 12 to 15 months. And another top issue for a lot of people, Americans and Washingtonians, you've said you are unapologetically pro-life. If elected and it came up for a vote in Congress, would you support a federal ban on abortion?
3: So I am 100% unapologetically pro-life. I have been one of the leading voices in the pro-life movement for many, many years, but I would not support a federal ban on abortion. And let me tell you why. The Supreme Court of the United States just reversed Roe v. Wade, which was the right thing to do on a 100 different levels. I have huge moral uh, problems with the taking of an innocent human life, which is what abortion is. But it is not the role of the federal government to either uh, permit abortion or to ban abortion. And when, if we want, that to happen from a governmental standpoint, what we need is a constitutional amendment. According to the 10th Amendment, if an issue is not given directly uh, spoken to in the Constitution, it becomes a state's rights issue. And that's what SCOTUS did. They rightly ruled that this was never something for the federal government to be involved in and they kicked it back to the states. I believe that if we go ahead now and we say, well, we want a federal ban on abortion, we're going to wind up with the same problem that, uh, that, we've seen, that we've seen for the last 50 years, only on the other side. I'd love to see a constitutional amendment that protects life. In our Declaration of Independence, we stated that we've all been given certain unalienable rights, and the first one is, the, is life. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But the wrong way is a federal ban on abortion. That's the wrong way to protect life.
1: And since you believe in states' rights, abortion is legal in Washington state and Democrats want to protect that right. Would you support overturning Washington's Reproductive Privacy Act, which became law in 1991 at the legislative level?
3: If, it, if it's a state's rights issue and we're talking about uh, Washington State becoming anything but a sanctuary state for abortion, I would support it. I am a pro-life conservative. I believe in protecting all life. I think we should protect the life of a mother and her baby, that we should never take one life to prefer another life. So we should always care for both a mother and her child. So to me, this is, again, it's a state's rights issue. If this comes before the state legislature, I would
1: lend my voice in support of the unborn and in, in defense. Of life. Let's talk about education. I know that's important to you. You have seven children, you've homeschooled your children. As an elected congressional member, would you support public schools? Absolutely,
3: I think our public schools need support, but I'll tell you what, what we don't want is the federal government meddling in education. And that's what we're seeing happening. The Department of Education, again, this is not in the constitution. This is not the role of the federal government. There are at least 33 agencies, federal government agencies that leave a lot of us scratching our head going, where is that in the constitution? And so I believe in uh, school choice. I would love to see that happen at a state level. And I would like to see the federal government stop giving grants to things like critical race, and stop propping up crazy woke gender ideologies telling children that there are more than two genders and that they could be a narwhal whale by Friday if they wanted to be. We have got to start getting back to teaching our kids, reading, writing and arithmetic. That's what our public schools are for. They're not there to indoctrinate our children. And it grieves me as a mother and a grandmother to see how far our public schools have fallen from the original role of educating our children so that they could be a success in the marketplace, not in the marketplace of woke social
1: experimental ideas. We're about out of time, Heidi. What message would you like to leave with voters?
3: You know what? I have so much hope for Southwest Washington. I love this area. My husband and I have been married for 33 years. We've raised our children here. Our grandchildren are being raised here. We have a leadership crisis in Southwest Washington. We have a leadership crisis from our school boards all the way to the federal government from stem to stern, and I am running to give the people of Southwest Washington a true voice, to come home, to listen to their concerns, to put our heads together around a table and start coming up with ideas that move the needle, that actually bring uh, hope and uh, prosperity back to the citizens of Southwest Washington. I've been going back and forth to Olympia and to Washington, D.C. to talk about the issues of limited government and freedom for over 17 years, and I would like to take my voice to be a voice for freedom and limited government on behalf of the citizens. of Southwest Washington to Washington D.C.
1: and represent them in Congress. Heidi St. John, thank you for joining us here on Straight Talk. Thank you for having me. And we have one more interview tonight, this time with the leading Democrat in the race. You'll hear from Marie Glusenkamp-Perez when we come back. Welcome back to Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter. The other candidates were not able to join us in person. Our company policy requires in-studio guests to be vaccinated. Two of our candidates are not, and Congresswoman Herrera Butler was in DC. But we're pleased to welcome Democrat Marie Glusenkamp-Perez to the studio. She is a small business owner in Skamania County. She has an economics degree from Reed College and owns an auto repair shop with her husband in Portland. She's also the mother of a one-year-old. Welcome to Street Talk, Hi, it's nice Laura. to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is a crowded race, nine candidates. Tell us why you decided to get into the race and what your biggest criticism is of Jamie Herrera Butler. You know, Jamie is an extremist.
4: She urged the Supreme Court to overturn Roe and then she celebrated the collapse of our rights by voting against contraception. You know, if you are against abortion and you're against contraception, you are not a moderate, you are an extremist. You know, she has been Uh, Teeing up the queue for the Supreme Court to take away right to same-sex marriage Uh, She voted against a bill codifying same-sex marriage Um, This is not the path of a moderate. We cannot rely on her to safeguard our rights Um, You know as a small business owner uh, It has been so offensive to me to see her invite us to the job fairs when the paper mill shut down You know we lost our paper mill and her solution has been to host job fairs. There were 11 employers there, Laurel, right? one of whom was selling Tupperware. You're not gonna put a kid through college or save for retirement selling Tupperware, right? We need representatives who do something about this economy. She has been in there for 12 years, and she'd like us to think that the gridlock is based on someone else, but she's the one holding the bag on this. You know, there were cracks in the Cascade Locks. That is one of the biggest wheat ports in the country. And her solution to this was to uh, send out emails about beanbagging sea lions. You know, we have disinvested in rural infrastructure to such a degree that things are collapsing around our ears and it is a huge problem for us. We need
1: real leadership. Well, you are really the only main Democrat out of all the nine that's really done any fundraising. Where are all the Democrats? Well, you know, I feel um,
4: really honored. Uh, The other primary Democrat in this race dropped out and endorsed me because he saw that I have the skills and the experience to really deliver real results in this working class district.
1: What do you think your chances are on
4: Tuesday of coming out in the top two? Yeah listen this district is 43 percent Democrats so Jamie is relying on Democrats to vote for her that is a very risky bet on her part. Um, So I, I You know, we've got to work hard. We can't take anything for granted, and we are working hard. um, But we believe we can make it
1: through. Well, let's talk about the economy because it's the number one issue for Washingtonians and probably for most yeah, Americans yeah. with inflation at a a 40-year high. But the the Republicans blame Joe Biden and the Democrats. So why should the voters of Southwest Washington and 57% of them are not Democrats, why should they trust you as a Democrat to help rein in inflation when it's gotten to this point already? Yeah, you know,
4: I am a small business owner. Like, nobody knows this better than us. You know, uh, I own an auto repair and a machine shop with my husband. The same box of gloves that cost me $5 in 2019 cost me $25 today. You know, two and a half years into this pandemic, we still have no national production of face masks. You know, medical grade masks that we rely on to keep our first responders safe. So no one knows better than small business owners working in the trades like me that we have to bring back uh, family wage jobs, manufacturing, the things that really grow the economy in the long term. You know, spending has been um, out of control and on the rise. This this has been, you know, decades in the making. And I would argue that it's because we are electing a lot of career politicians, extremists, uh, you know, doctors and lawyers, and not people who have to make payroll and balance the budget and keep facilities running. So if we want to see a return to uh, solvency we have got to have small business owners like me in office
1: we heard jamie Rure butler say that they shouldn't elect the democrat yeah. you because of big spending the democrats are trying to pass all these big spending bills we had spent trillions during the pandemic and that has fueled inflation and that democrats can't be trusted they, she says there needs to be a balance a check and balance with democrats in control right now of congress what's your response to her i mean she has voted lockstep with the administration that led us here
4: you know i mean uh, her record is very clear and not delivering for this district she would love to pass the buck but she's the one who's been there for over a decade you know and so the position we're in today she's the one holding the bag for that Um, we have got to elect different people if we want different results and that's what i bring to this table you know um i'm sure you know we want to talk about aging infrastructure like the dams you know and and our our cascade locks like our bridges you know I drive across that bridge every day and I would really like to know that it's not gonna fall uh, out from underneath me when I do that Um, you know as a small business owner I don't look at my 60 year old roof and say by golly that's an asset I hope it takes out a lift when it collapses no you you get out ahead of it you know interest rates have been close to zero percent for how many years And this Congress, which is Jamie's Congress, has failed to invest substantially in any of the long-term investments to our infrastructure
1: that's gonna keep our economy thriving. She mentioned the bridge, the I-5 bridge. She has been opposed to it. She didn't want light rail or tolls. Um, She said she was representing her district. Where are you on, that I-5 bridge replacement is moving forward now and they are planning light rail. Where are you, do you support the I-5 bridge? Yeah, what are we gonna wait for a school bus
4: to fall through before we fix it? I mean, this is silly, you know? These are family wage jobs, they're American jobs, and you know, Washington state can be a leader in the trades if we invest properly. Do you support light rail on that new bridge i think it should certainly be light rail ready which is the plan right now
1: and what about tolls it's so controversial but the people who are designing this say that tolls are necessary to help pay for it also to control congestion
4: yeah you know you mentioned i have a degree in economics um, economists love to say that tolls are a regressive tax um, i was really relieved to hear from the mayor of vancouver that there will be um, similar to a voucher program. If you are on a fixed income, uh,
1: there's gonna be a a path for you not to have tolls on that bridge. So I'm gonna go back to manufacturing because I know that's really important to you. How would you try to bring manufacturing back to the United States?
4: Yeah, Yeah, that is so critical. Um, You know, I actually, uh, my husband and I bought a machine shop in 2020. Um, It was one of the machine shops that we uh, relied on and they were going out of business because their two guys were retiring and they couldn't find an apprentice. And that is a huge, you know, I can keep a Honda Civic running for 500,000 miles if I've got good parts. And the reality is we are not getting quality parts from manufacturers in China frequently. We have got to have quality American parts to keep the cars running that drive our middle class Americans to work every day. So it has got to come from career and technical education making sure that Um, Our kids are graduating with the skills they need to be successful in the trades. You know, these are family wage jobs. Um, You know, nobody in China is going to build a porch for you or uh, wire in a heat pump for you. You know, these are um, American jobs that can't be offshored, and we've got to be uh, empowering our students to be successful in those
1: trades. I mean, talk about kids. I know childcare is an issue for you. You have a one-year-old, you've yeah. dealt with it. What would you do if you were in Congress to try to address the concerns that, that a lot of parents have oh, for childcare? It
4: is awful right now. People are spending like $15,000 a year if you can even get a spot in daycare right now. I mean, it is so challenging. Since 2019, one in 10 childcare facilities shut down. One in 10 childcares So, you know, you wanna talk about workforce participation. There's a huge flag. We have got to have child care and one of the reasons that people aren't going into this field is because um, they can't afford to you know these are low not always high-paying jobs Um, and so i think one of the things congress can and should be doing proactively is debt um, public service debt forgiveness just like we let teachers um, you know lose some of their interest rates or get a better interest rate uh, when they're teaching in public schools you know those early education teachers Kids are learning just as much then. From zero to five, that is when so much in the brain is happening, we've gotta support that.
1: Another top issue for Washingtonians, there's a new Washington state poll out that shows voters overwhelmingly support a ban on assault style weapons by nearly two to one margin. Would you support a ban on assault style weapons? Listen, I support the second amendment. I am a gun owner. Um,
4: Everybody I can see from my house in rural Skamania County is a gun owner, Um, but we, know that we are in a, a terrible place right now. I, I think about you know, these school shootings. Um, I think about sending my own son to school. What we're doing right now isn't working. And so absolutely we need to be investing in things like um, red flag laws. Okay, I'm gonna bring you back
1: to yeah. the ban on assault style no, weapons. I think Do you that, support that?
4: I think that needs to come from the community and you know, what I'm seeing right now is that there is
1: not that grassroots support for it. But in Washington state in general, they yeah. say two thirds of the people support it and you're trying to be a leader in your area. Right, so you yeah. kind of have to take a stand. Right right now, I would not support it. Would man. not support it. Well, let's talk about abortion because the other candidates in this race um, are pro-life and the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade as you know. How important do you think this issue is in the race?
4: Oh, it's, it's
1: fundamental. I mean, this is
4: not about the minutia of constitutional law. This is about, do Americans have a right to privacy, to bodily autonomy? I mean, that is, that is huge. So uh, we are seeing a really fundamental collapse in rights. And um, I you know, um, am, am so saddened to see this happen. And you know, people think that their rights are protected in Washington state. They are not. They are teeing up a
1: federal ban on abortion. And the other candidates in this race would vote for that. I wanna give you about uh, 40 seconds or so for a a final thought to leave with our voters before Tuesday's primary election.
4: Well, you know, there are profound differences between the candidates in this race. Um, I am the only candidate who is going to stand up for a woman's right to choose. I'm the only candidate who's going to support LGBTQ rights you know, and I'm the only candidate who's actually working in the trades, growing family wage jobs. And and that is what America needs now. We need to empower the people who are making things better at a community level and not extremists and not
1: career politicians. Marie Glusenkamp-Perez, thank you for joining you us so here much. on Straight Talk. Nice to have you here. The primary is on Tuesday. Be sure to vote. Thanks again thank for you, joining thank you. us. And next, we will wrap things up for you and show you how you can find out more about the candidates. That's coming up in two minutes. Thank you for watching Straight Talk tonight. Here's a look at the websites for the candidates in Washington's third congressional district if you wanna learn more about their positions. Thank you to all of the candidates for joining us. And if you live in Washington, be sure to drop off or mail your ballot by Tuesday, August 2nd. And be sure to tune in to KGW Tuesday night at 11 o'clock for election results or check them out on KGW.com. Join us next week when we hear from the candidates in the Oregon general election for Clackamas County Clerk. And remember, you can get Straight Talk as a podcast. All you have to do is point the phone camera at the QR code that you're going to see here, and that will take you directly to a link where you can subscribe to KGW Straight Talk's podcast. We'll see you next week for Straight Talk.